Hello and welcome back to Lecker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss the penultimate episode of The Fair, number nine, entitled Omelette, written by Joanna Kahlo and Christopher Storr, directed by him as well. I gave this episode a 9.8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. It definitely progressed a little bit further. The fracture between Carmi and Sydney that I really wanted them to address. And they did it beautifully in this episode. I'm sure shippers had a, a lot to say. Some material for them to work with. But more so, Carmi's lack of focus is really being hammered home. And what could happen as a result of that. And I have a feeling that it's not his mother that's going to be the concern on opening night. I think it's going to be him. Because he has shown several pieces of behavior that parallels with his mother in this penultimate episode that I very much want to talk about. Before we do, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. And if you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. I will be dropping the finale this Sunday. I wanted to have the season done last month, but unfortunately, life happens and We had a loss in our family that was very unexpected, which has put me a little bit behind, which I'm sure everyone understands. But there are other shows that I do want to get into, like The Changeling that has recently dropped because I'm so here for that, even though it's scary and I usually don't like scary. I've always watched The Changeling in every iteration they've done. And now that it's all black people, I'm like, hell yeah. Let's go. Enough dilly dallying though. Let's go ahead and get into the recap. Family meal. We're a week before opening or the week in before opening. I'm not quite sure what it's stated on the calendar. Sydney's preparing herself for the day. Her chef coat is very much in need of a dry cleaners because they would very easily get rid of those stains. Girl, bleach would get rid of those stains. <laughs> And while I understand that she has and is working with the best of what she can do, I will say even going like I had a uniform during my teenage years when I would work in. Well, I suppose restaurants, there was a few restaurants, maybe not upper echelon restaurants that I worked in, but I did work at a place called Damon's. I don't know if it's still around. I worked at a place called Ponderosa. I know that's not still around. And then I worked a lot of fast food chains, Taco Bell, Burger King, McDonald's, KFC. Shit, I worked quite a few. (laughs) So I'm a little familiar with the concept of keeping a uniform clean, despite how disgusting it may get the previous day. So there's kind of like no excuse in my book for her to have walked out the door and not even soak that shit in bleach last night understand that she's under a lot of pressure but that's one of the things that would have been on my mind is at least showing up even if the inside is spazzing out sidebar i went back and listened to 
the last couple of podcasts just a little bit ran through because I do like to do spot checks on the sound quality. And I did not realize that everyone in our mama can hear me twisting my hair. This mic is very sensitive and I didn't know what it was as I was listening to it because I was like, I don't have any crackling in the background. What could this possibly be? And it's me twisting my hair. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to stop my nervous habits while I'm recording. So I'm trying to be very conscious of that and keep my hands away from what I find very soothing. These braids about to come out tonight actually so shouldn't have to deal with that in the next further episodes it's only when I have these braids in they're just oh they're so addictive to my my need to um damn there's a terminology for that when you want to touch things that are soft back to the show Sydney has a good conversation with her father about the pressure she is putting on herself making this the thing like this doesn't have to be the thing that defines who you are as a person and while putting everything into something is great it isn't everything you're still a skilled chef you still have other opportunities to pursue and that's don't put all your marbles in just this one thing that you're passionate about and think that your failure or success will be the crucial thing that that makes you who you are going forward like you are trying your best you're giving it everything but eating a twix and needing to welcome the morning with rollade just because you're under that much stress is something to take note of for your mental and physical health i think that is a good point to bring up despite it being something that she avidly wants to pursue and is excited for. And he says, I'm excited for you too. I also love you. Take care. I'll see you tonight. (laughs) She also admitted that if she fails, she doesn't think she has it in her to commit to so much of herself in the future. And I think that's a, a healthy thing to, to acknowledge But as a parent, I'm sure he feels even more concerned about where her mind space is going to be at if expectations don't work out the way she expects. Now let's talk about Carmi's panic attack. I'm sure this is a hot topic, bit of the episode that was heavily dissected. As y'all know, I have not been the biggest supporter of the Carmi Sydney ship not against it i'm not particularly for it however the show is making a clear correlation to what i have been alluding to all season which is that his relationship with claire is clouded with his past trauma and while he certainly is in love with her something i don't think should be taken away because last episode i stated carmy didn't have any growth And I'm going to correct my own self and iterate that his growth has been in opening himself to the idea of accepting and being in love with someone and receiving the comfort from that love and recognizing its value and worth. 
The fact that it's further correlated with what not only his family, as we see with Fock and Richie, but something that Mike wanted and he's being encouraged to accept it, to let it happen. And yet all he can feel is a certain bit of panic, hence the panic attack. What is revealed is that Sydney happens to be his cornerstone, if you will. He thinks of her the first time that he met her, the way in which he validated his worth, the way in which she is his focus. And with the extension of that being the bear and the future it could bring, she represents the healing from that convoluted, messy past. Never mind that Claire would be an apparent step forward. Can it be construed as romantic? Well, it did have the song, You Will Be Mine Playing. I would say the show isn't stupid, especially after first season, (laughs) hearing the feedback of what many feel regarding such a relationship. So the choice to add this particular track by R.E.M. is a choice, especially coupled with Sydney later on actually coming to the restaurant with a symbol that is Carmi prevalent connecting the two scenes when we finally catch up with her. Could they be in game? Yes. Do I feel strongly about it right now? No, because it's still within the confines of a very strong friendship. Some don't think that they can exist in the same universe. (laughs) I do believe that they can exist in the same universe. And that just because you feel deeply for someone or you love them, doesn't mean you're in love with them or even ready and willing to acknowledge said love for them which is why I still maintain they are the best of friends that emotionally rely on the other to keep them accountable but also that sees the true value in the other person and that does work vice versa which leads to a conversation later that happens about what Sydney gets from that union, as well as what Carmi does, which is a clear joy at finally going through all of the mess and finding some peace when he is in the company of someone that is his equal in a lot of ways. There's no debate that Sydney is crucial to who he develops going, who he's going to develop into going forward but we haven't even touched on so much made even clear when a year into their friendship slash partnership he doesn't even know that her mother died it also becomes the focus of the episode so Carmi coming to his own conclusion that with everything that is going on the light at the end of the tunnel is her I'm sure has gotten the shipper world (laughs) certainly excited 
Carmen is looking at the menu board, greeted by Natalie, who tells them she invited their mom. Explain to me. Explain to me! It's family and friends, so she could not at all exclude her but i think carmy's silence says it all and i was right there with him like uh you did what now i don't think he's even seen her because he didn't go to mikey's funeral so he hasn't seen her in like a year a long time i'm with friends and family but that does not include the crazies in the family (laughs) i don't know what Francine's uh, fact sister did, but clearly everyone isn't put in that category. Note, Carmi does not like the painting and wants it removed. It says mother. Our first indication, Carmi is more his mother than not. I don't know if it's our first indication or that he's bothered by that idea, but it's the first time I heavily noticed that that was what was on his mind nat rightly calls him out on the fact that i said if you don't have a problem with it don't respond and if you do have a problem with it respond do you have a phone that was brought up several times about his lack of responsibility it's completely more than a habit at this point that he makes big deals out of things that he himself chooses not to give his attention to and it's something innocuous too because really this photo it was or painting it was not that bad but it had mother on it with father crossed out and it's a point that he doesn't want to he does not at all want to associate with no, that's not me. He always points out that mom won't show up. Threading them both together, once again, as unreliable family members, particularly to those that ride or die for him, Nat being the number one. She doesn't want to see her brother suffering, but he says that it's fine, even though clearly it's not. The show does a great job of showing without telling Carmi is bothered by disorganization a couple of episodes ago, and yet he is the embodiment of it. As he discusses the run through with Sydney, he's completely messing up her colored marker, something even Richie fixed. She asked about Tony, the fridge guy, and had he had to be reminded about who exactly Tony was, confirming he has not done what he was tasked with doing. And Sydney points out, look, dude, this trend is getting old. Get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit. So it's together. And if you got to take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Take it to the shit store and sell it. Or put it in a shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just got to get it together. Nat comes by to ask about the fridge guy as well. She thinks his name is Tom. And, uh, finds out that Carmi has not called the fridge guy. That's when she asked, do you have a phone? He says, yes, Nat, I have a phone. Okay, all right. I just wonder why you don't use it. He affirms he will do it when Nat simply tasks Sydney. Like, can you just call the guy? I'm going to take care of it. He asked Sydney about her relationship with her mother when she asked if he's okay. He did ask her, which is something Nat pointed out he's horrid at. 
And that's when she reveals she died of lupus when she was four years old. Carmi also says he's worried about Nat, but I feel like he's more talking about himself in the relationship or expectation of his mother. Like, oh, she's expecting her to change. And I know that she's just going to be a mess. But another part of him probably has, I think that if anything, Nat is way more, she's just made her bed and she's going to sleep in it. I know my mother's a mess, but I've signed the fuck up to always be there for her. Whereas Carmi doesn't want to at all touch that. When he kind of goes, oh, I should have probably known that your mother was dead. She demurs on the empathy part. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said it like that. But, you know, my relationship with her is, you know, not good because she's dead. <laughs> and they laugh about it briefly. But they're so uncomfortable with being really vulnerable. It was nice to get that from both characters by the end. In the office, you got the books, you got the notes, you get the inspirational signs. These are the type of things that you will find in a high-pressured work environment, I should know. Natalie visits Richie, who is looking over the reservations, which, you know, isn't bad, but is barely good. Richie was impressing me. He continues to impress me. He saw she was tired. He told her to go lay down. When she didn't, he offered her his chair. Just being moral support without really being able to help her. And that's fine. At least he can provide her with the answers to her questions. My man. Natalie says, if we die down, we die. And while a couple of weeks looks good, there are no holds or a wait list. Richie won't let her panic. He says, look, we got this. Carmi goes ham about the pots being on the left side when everyone is right-handed, but the guy that installed the pots was left-handed. And Carmi, who demanded to have final approval, wouldn't answer his phone once again, prompting Tina to be the one to say, do you have one? When Sydney... Uh, very calmly says well this is on you and to focus he says i got it marcus presents his desserts to carmy and sydney to their approval mom's honey bun that is fucking disgusting i really don't like honey buns i just mm -mm, they're gross the copenhagen sunday which is a classic sydney's donut <laughs> that somebody destroyed like a little bitch. Karma said, and I will definitely feel bad about for the rest of my life. She's like, I think we need to change that name. And then the Michael, which is the cannoli dessert that he asked him to work on. He also receives a package from Copenhagen. And I wanted that package to be Luca in person but alas <laughs> I cannot have nice things Jimmy meets with Carmi and tells him a story about complete and utter failure after giving him the official license for his business he's been trying to tell this story all season and he finally has the opportunity and he talks about how this baseball game happened and 
I don't get baseball references in sports, but someone hit a ball. Everyone got mad at a fan for catching the ball instead of blaming who was really at fault, which was the shortstop or some player that he revered. No one blamed the person who was at fault. They just blamed the kid. It's just a kid catching a ball at a football game. He needs to put his head down and focus, live this shit and nothing else. Because if you want to be different, you're going into a market where you're not the only one. You're not even the only special one. You're not even the only good one. This business that you're going into is pretty much uh, against you. It's not on your side. So if you are going to make this work, you're going to have to put everything into it. Absolutely fucking everything into it. And then he says, uh, I've been wanting to tell you, I've been dating some girl. And he's like, that makes me so very happy. But also, uh-oh. You done fucked up now. I like Jimmy a lot. I've always loved Oliver Platt. But Jimmy, I always be side on him because of his business interests, is a real partner, though. He's telling them what he needs to hear. I don't want to take this away from you. I don't want to pave this place down, but I fucking will. I'm rooting for you. I really am. But know that I'm not going to cut you any slack. Because of Jimmy's words, he ignores the call from Claire declaring her love for him. It's my guess. We didn't actually see what she called and said to him. But also is distracted from calling the fridge guy and it's clear he has to choose. Sydney sees that Nat looks a little worn out from life. Her shoulder was hurting earlier and uh, she's hungry. So Sydney says, let me make you something. Oh, I don't want you to. Girl, I'm in a kitchen. <laughs> let me make you something. And she makes her an omelet. And if I liked eggs a lot more, I would have enjoyed that delicious looking omelet. And eggs in my stomach do not get along. I actually just make eggs and I'm about to take a bite and I get really nauseous. I thought I was allergic because that's what Dr. Google said. And the person with the degree was like, um, no. <laughs> Sydney's told she's a fucking genius. And I love that moment because that validation, even though it is weird that you're just standing there watching someone eat, but you want to know, you know, how they when you want to see the joy over the face. That's what they live for uh, then we get to the most awkward scene of said episode when marcus tries to ask sydney out <laughs> first he's trying to give her compliments like oh well you're the one that pushed me and i wouldn't have been able to do this without you and da 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 and she's you know be like again this is a brotherly affectionate thing just because you're smiling and the other person is smiling doesn't mean it's romantic. <laughs> or there's chemistry that it's romantic. And I think her absolute obliviousness to what was happening and until it became very clear what was happening tells me everything I need to know about Sydney's feelings for Marcus. Not only do you work for me, but I see you as like a brotherly figure. Yeah, Marcus over here like, what you doing later? 
I mean, he was being real smooth with it too. <laughs> he said, oh, I got you. I got you giggling. <laughs> what you doing after work? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll be got. <laughs> We got to put down this and do that. She's focused on her job. And uh, then she says, well, that wasn't like an ask out. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to admit it, even though I'm going to clearly be disappointed and hurt when you say that's weird. Because why would that be fucking weird? Well, it's only weird if you don't have that type of feelings for someone else. And they do. So she walks away from the conversation instead of having one. And I think that this is partially Sydney's fault because she didn't put the brakes on this shit weeks ago. I think that's what all of those awkward moments that we kept pointing out and thinking maybe something happened between them. No, but I think she was very consciously aware of his his crush because it was beaming like a light bulb from afar and that she never just said hey look um i value you and i i'm not gonna say that i think that you feel anything but i just want you to know that we can only keep things professional there's a way you can do it i'm not saying i'm the best person to do it because i'm not (laughs) i'll be the first one to say i get really weird when people start trying to hit on me and i'm not into them my first uh my first response is to avoid as well so i get it i get it however it is a work environment so it's a little different and yeah she should have been let him down that it was never going to be a thing some people might still be rooting for it i i i never did i never will and hopefully this will be the last of it (laughs) because <laughs> uh, I, I think he got that hint that time that's for damn sure it might not change how he feels but richie's speech to the staff was the highlight i want to say the table scene was the highlight that was the emotional highlight but the comical highlight of the episode was definitely richie's speech he started referencing some books talking about listen better it was just the combination of curse words without with trying to be professional <laughs> we're gonna fucking take care of shit and he's got facts sitting there co-signing if they're cold make them what gary not code if they're bored make them fucking not bored anticipation creates luxurization <laughs> Carmi notices that there is a table that's a little wobbly. So he goes in search of a screwdriver. He asks Fock, who's in the restroom with Richie, both of them looking amazing. He says, I'm front of house now. I don't know where screwdrivers are. No, I'm just kidding. I have one on me. <laughs> he asks if they're going to see Claire Bear tonight because we love her. Richie agrees and he says yeah yeah she'll be here he looked a little uncertain though but i think again for fans of the ship there was a clear decision that was made i could call claire or i can fix my broken relationship with sydney and he clearly chose his broken relationship with sydney he even said earlier i have something to give you and that was after his panic attack 
Then we get to the fix what is broken metaphor. Literally, when the conversation unfolds underneath the table, he asks Sydney for her help. One has to hold up the table while the other one screws and then they reverse it. All of this was great. How it was filmed, their conversation, where he admits, you deserve my focus. Uh, It's not Claire's fault. She says, I wasn't trying to be jealous. He says, oh, I know. And here's the part that probably most people tuned out. (laughs) But reinforces the friendship and just how solid that friendship is. She asked, you care about this girl a lot, huh? Yeah, it scares the shit out of me. And she's just like, yeah, I don't know why I even said those things the way I said it. It just came out right because I was actually just scared. And he says, scared of what? And that's when he takes over holding up the table and letting her be the vulnerable one, letting her be the one that talks out and he be the one that listens and offers his emotional support. And that's when she admits that I'm afraid that I'm not good enough, that I'm going to fuck shit up. And he's like, I fuck things up all the time. I didn't win the star and didn't make any mistakes that's gonna happen well what if they don't come they don't come well what if they do come and it's the food sucks ass (laughs) then we will we'll try something different again it's just the it's just the continuous we're we're gonna work it out we're you're not in this alone i am here with you what if i fail i won't let you I think my favorite line was you could do this without me. No, I couldn't do this without you. I wouldn't even want to. And I think that's 150% accurate. If it wasn't for Sydney wanting and pushing for Carmi to make this place better, to reconnect really with his own vision and dream for this place and continuing to be the support, for him to make this thing work yeah no he could not have done it without him her and i don't think he could have he would want to do it without her he would have been fine just making the beef the beef making it a little bit less chaotic than it was this scene just highlights that no matter what has happened what has been happening despite the lack of communication between them and the cohesion they're still very much committed not only to their personal relationship but their partnership it is also yes admittedly about 200 percent more intimate than any conversation or sexual interaction that he's had with claire if that's your ship i'm not trying to shit on your game but these are the facts Tina still has Carmi's knife. He allows her to keep it. And after the drama of the first season with that knife, it was appropriate. And she continues to impress with her competency, despite her being unsure. Then it's time to open. They're thinking about, hey, uh, you know, 45 minutes in, we're going to be in the weeds. 
Are you ready for this? Denise the last to join in her new chef coat that he had gifted her with after their conversation under the table where he says, you're not alone. And she says, neither are you. That's not only something you can give to me, but know that I am here for you as well. She tries to demur to Carmi, but he says, it's your show now because she's the chef to cuisine. And Richie looks at her like, what do you want to do? Let it rip. And that is how we go into the finale, which I am not really sure what to expect. At least this is the, uh, this is meant to, to find their flaws, right? So at least it's not true opening night with like, uh, journalists and things like that, that would be, that would be prevalent to such a big opening. And I would think because he has a star, his name should be carrying some weight to at least get people wanting to check out what he's doing, if nothing else. Even though Sydney saw that her girl, the restaurant she visited earlier was going out of business. So here they are opening a restaurant in a highly competitive world where even the best of the best still won't make it. And yet they're trying to uphold this very impossible, but possible dream. If they give it all that they truly have to give. The last bit of commentary I do have to um, point out is at the end of their conversation before he gave her the chef coat and she looked over at him and he looked over at her, there was a little bit of a moment that lengthened out where they both got uncomfortable with the silence in their little intimate bubble. And I would be remiss if I didn't point that out. We do have feedback. I'm really curious to hear what Mimi has to say, who is a little bit more of an advocate shipper than I am. So let's hop into the mailbag. What up, Stina? This is Mimi. This is my feedback for uh, The Bear Episode 9, the penultimate episode of Season 2. Um, just a heads up, I um, am pretty sure I'm sick. Um, so I have been literally sleeping these last couple of days. And it's just been unprovoked sleep. I uh, would be reading. I'm trying to read more since we're not getting any more shows, at least until the the very middle of 2024. That's neither here nor there. And um, my son was sick on Monday. And he called me saying that he needed me to pick him up. Not Monday, Tuesday. And I didn't believe him. But I'm pretty sure he was sick because that motherfucker gave me whatever he had. His punishment for me having to pick him up was he was running errands with me all Tuesday. Um, I'm trying to get ready for my sister's birthday party on the 4th, which is also Labor Day. Anyway, um, I'm one of those sick people who um, I'm going to go to work. Um, I'm just going to wear a mask. Um, If I feel like I'm getting a fever or something, I will check it. I haven't had a fever, but... I know my body and I know what my allergies usually do and this is more than just my allergies. So all of that is to say that I did not watch Foundation because I was too drugged up on NyQuil 
to actually physically pay attention. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I don't know what episode I'm on. I don't even know what episode you're on. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, um, these next three days while I'm at work or maybe in between the days or on my lunch break, I can I can watch Foundation and get caught up. But, you know, let's be real. That's probably not going to happen. Anywho, I really like this episode, like, so much. Um, I remember when the bear first dropped because they had all the episodes um, immediately. So, you know, people binged because this is the kind of culture that we're in. People binge stuff. And I remember seeing it, uh, like, some type of, like, it was a back and forth between someone that ended up being on my Twitter page. Back when it was Twitter, it was just, you know, random, like, sighting. It's why I stopped looking up the bear because I, I got spoiled. It was, you know, the whole Sydney and, and Carmi, they're a slow burn, blah, 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 blah. I told you, and I'm just going to be honest with you, um, I don't care anymore. Um, I love Sydney and I love uh, who she is. So, I mean, whether she's with Carmi or not, I don't care. But I will say the evidence is pretty damning. Someone brought it up, and I was like, whatever, him thinking about her um, during a panic attack. I'm sure he was thinking about everybody. But that that evidence right there, like, that is some pretty um, convincing evidence. Now, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to just be as honest as I can about this without trying, I'm going to try to not be biased, but unlike you, Christine, I'm not very good at it. But I watched that scene literally three times, and I was like, let me watch it again, because I am uh, clearly um, seeing something that's not there. But he was legit, like, beat red, hyperventilating, like, literally having some type of panic episode. I've seen them enough to know what they look like, and he was probably using all the techniques that he learned over the years, like, trying to calm himself down, that shit wasn't working, like, he was literally fucking struggling, like, struggling so bad, and the more he thought about it, the worse it got, it started with him thinking about Claire, like, we got the scene in the beginning where they were clearly, I don't know if they were in the middle of doing that they thing, or if they had finished, and they were just snuggling or whatever, but it was a really cute scene, but then we see him having a panic attack, and him thinking about Claire, thinking about all the, the things they probably did, all the, the positions he put her in, all the sex they've been having, and that shit was not working, and then he started thinking about his family, which I could understand why that would be a trigger, I don't know why he thought that would be a good idea, that was terrible, but then he would think about Claire again, and he was really, really trying to calm himself down, and what did it take to calm him down, and when I saw that, my mouth fell to the floor and then I remembered the argument on Twitter I was like the girl was like don't nobody platonically think about somebody when having a panic attack to calm them down that is no way that he was friendly thinking about that and the reason I kind of agree with it because he was literally having like some like panic attack and it was not getting better until he started thinking about Sydney and granted I don't know if he even knows what it meant, but him thinking about her lets me know that he thinks of her as a calm, soothing, safe place. And that in itself is pretty damning. Like, out of everybody, it's not like he had thoughts of any of his other friends or any of his co-workers or, you know, Fock or Richie Sugar, his sister. He didn't think of any of that. He, The only thing that calmed him down was thinking about Sydney. And I... 
I don't know. And then that scene with them under the table, it was it was giving slow burn. It was giving like the makings of uh, Rashawn. Like I, I know that show ship, and I and I know that you probably like bitch. Don't you? How dare you? But the, I, when you did that like six hour podcast that my ass tuned into because I was going to ask for it. All the signs that you like when you were talking about from the beginning to the end where we're shown, I was like, oh my God, those aren't things that I didn't even notice. And I went back and I watched and you were 100% right. And that was, it was things that I never noticed. I, I didn't get like Rashawn vibes for me until like way, way after they first met. It was like the whole like when it was just them three separated and he was looking at her in the chain in the and like when they when she changed in that white shirt and then she was looking at him when they got to the um alexandria and he shaved but it was like signs everywhere and to me that that whole panic attack scene was some pretty damning evidence and then the like you know help me fix this table I would have been like dude what the fuck are you doing like is this really the most important thing we need to do now you want me to help you this table's a little crooked seriously don't we have somebody else to do that like that's would have been my mentality but I as as he's doing it and as they're talking I can see that this is what he needs to calm himself down and I was like okay she must have knew that but the way they were talking underneath the table like it's it was giving like I I really care about you. I care what you think. I need you. And he was like, I couldn't do this without you. It's true, girl. It's true, Sydney. He could not. Like that all of that was giving slow burn vibes. Like I said, I would like to to really have you understand me because I know how you always like to remember certain things. I don't care either way. I really don't. And ever since you put in my mind that whole Luca and Sydney thing. I, his ass is in uh, Denmark, so that would never happen. But I, I, I felt it like it was it was uh, shipper vibes. Um, at the very least, best friends, and it's clear that they don't know each other because he just found out that her mom died, and you know that whole scene too was very like it was like a morbid, like funny, messed up scene when she was like, you know. I don't have a close relationship with my mom because, you know, she's dead and everything. He was like, well, that'll do it. She was like, yep, that'll do it. That shit made me laugh because it sounds like a joke that Darren and I would make. It's not funny if someone didn't know you guys, but it, outside, like, looking in, it's weird. But, you know, it was their way of cutting attention. And it's just something that, you know, people that know, like, that are friendly do, you know. Um, and their relationship is, is, is very different from other people like feel like they're dynamic even her relationship with his sister i feel like is different and it might be you know a because it's like you know two women in a, a male dominated place I, I i feel like you can either connect with that other woman or you guys hate each other it always depends on the personalities but the way sugar is and the way sydney acts like it's like a relationship destined for bonding like um, I really hope in season three we get more of their interaction because every scene they've had together I very I very much enjoy. Um, that omelet with the, the chips on it, like I'm, I don't know how you felt about it, but that shit looked delicious when she threw them. Like I like my omelets like filled with like a bunch of vegetables and like sausage and bacon and stuff. 
but she just put some fancy ass cheese in it and then topped it with some chives, freshly chopped chives, and some crushed, like, uh, ruffled potato chips, sour, sour cream and onion? Are you fucking kidding me? I didn't know there was sour cream and onion until she said it, but let me tell you something. That shit looked delicious, and the way that pregnant Natalie was like, mm, I was like, I know that fucking thing is fire. <laughs> Even when he said that's fire, <laughs> it made me laugh, like, you was not lying, shit looks delicious. Um, side note, I, I was just randomly staring at all the tattoos that Carmi has, and he has 773, <laughs> which is, uh, clearly if you don't know, you don't know, but 773 is a Chicago area code, and um, nowadays there's more, more area codes just because there's more phones, but like when I first moved here um, to Illinois, um, I was... I was going to 10th grade. It was the summer of 10th grade, so I was, what, 15. Um, so that was, what, what 25 years ago. Uh, back then, when we first, like, uh, my sister um, had been here already. It's a long story, but, like, the numbers, you just, you didn't need the area codes. You just put in the numbers. And I know um, when we first moved here, uh, my mom's family was in Chicago, and that's where we were staying until we found some place. And, uh... All the area codes were 773. And you just had to put the number in. And uh, when I saw it on his arm, I was like, okay, that's pretty clever. Because only people from Chicago would know that. Or people, maybe if you visited Chicago a lot. But 773 is a Chicago area code, the original area code. I don't know anybody that has a tattoo of it. Most people that like want to celebrate Chicago has the uh, Chicago flag tattooed or something to that effect, you know, or like the bulls or some shit like that, but I mean, it was pretty cute, I thought it was clever, because if you know, you know, <laughs> if you don't, I didn't look at the other stuff, because um, his arm, like the 773 was right at the top, the other ones were, you know, not readily available for me to see very well, but now I'm curious, if I ever rewatch, I'm going to look, um, what else, mm. I like how Fock had a suit on, too, because he's front of the house now. <laughs> Even though he still had a screwdriver in his uh, jagged pocket, that's just being prepared, and I ain't mad at you, because I have this saying, you got to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. So, Fock know what's up. I might be front of the house, but I still got that back house mentality. Let me have this screwdriver in my pocket. You never know. It is in Chicago. You might have to rub some motherfuckers up. You might need that screwdriver for more than just screwing in some loose uh, table bolts. I'm just saying. I like how they're wearing suits and they got all cleaned up and they were in the mirror talking about how how sexy they looked. <laughs> that whole scene was cute. And then then Carmen was like, you guys look very handsome. I was like, these motherfuckers are so cute. And I loved, I loved, loved, loved how when everybody, like, they were ready to open the door and they were like, this is your show to Sydney. I know that's right, Carmen. Because she didn't did most of the work. Let her open these motherfucking doors. I know that's right. I don't know what we're going to get. And I don't know if Carmi's mom is going to be coming back. Let's be real. It is um, Jamie Lee Curtis. So I know the budget was budgeting to get her in that first, that, that one episode. But I don't know if it can afford her for another one. We'll see. Um, I know they won some awards. And um, uh, they were nominated for some ones too. 
that they didn't win. So I don't know how money works when it comes to shows and, and you know, things like that. So I don't know how much budget they have and how much money they have extra than the last season. But um, I don't know if I want to see it or if I don't. I want this to be a really good opening. And I feel like if Carmi's mom is there, it's not going to be. Um it's been some years since we last saw her. I don't remember how many. They they did it in, in weeks, and I don't fucking remember the um, amount of time since that she drove her car through the front house, front of the front of the house during Christmas. So um, sounds like she hasn't changed. Carmi knows what to expect, but Sugar doesn't, and I don't know if I want her to be there because um, it's gonna be a shit show and it's gonna for sure be entertaining probably anxiety ridden for me but probably gonna be entertaining nonetheless or if I don't want her there because I don't want her to fuck this up for anybody so I guess we'll see but I am excited to um, watch this last episode I'm sad that it's over and we're probably not gonna get another season for probably another year and a half but maybe with its success um, maybe they'll get to writing and I know the the showrunner is also the person that write that's writing it and I don't know if he's a part of the writers strike because it seems like it would be different for him you're probably making more money than the actual other writers in the show but I mean I would assume it would count for him because I feel like the um actors are going on strike for the other writers so you still they they still wouldn't have right actors to, to act in this even if you wrote the script so i'm assuming this is going to affect this show too um i ain't mad though i just wish these rich execs would, just, execs would just pay these people what they're worth what they're owed and stop ain't no reason for you to make 70 million dollars a year even if we cut that in half you're still a fucking millionaire stop being a greedy piece of shit and give these writers some more fucking money and on that note i digress um until next time love peace hair grease and black girl magic that was queen mimi with her thoughts on the episode not the sickness do not need that around my life that's for damn sure (laughs) glad to hear your thoughts on the episode i agreed with with everything you said uh for for carmy sydney is his safe place that's the perfect way i said cornerstone that's that's another perfect um analogy for what that panic attack was showcasing to the audience you're right I don't think I mean just think about it Sydney had to tell him that he had a girlfriend (laughs) that's where the part in the relationship where if it is going to be one I'm I want it to be the the slow burn type where there is more development particularly in Carmi's side of the world where it is more of a mutual thing and not something not that saying it's not mutual but you know what I mean someone shouldn't have to keep pulling someone else up which is why that conversation on the table is so gratifying for me because I I, I don't want that you know I said that earlier in the season I don't want Sydney to be the competent black woman you know being the emotional savior for the white man that that's not a a storyline for me personally I want to I would be invested in but I don't have a problem with them being a slow burn relationship I just don't think that it's 
jumping in, like popping off the way some are are seeing it in the way it's popping. I, I acknowledge all the signs and I agree. They're they're there. Like up until this episode, no. The same thing like with last season. Until that ending shot of him looking at Sydney and maybe the beginning shot, there wasn't much if you were looking to string things along in the ship. <laughs> uh, that that threw out there as, okay, they could possibly be exploring this or could it be explored in a way that would be satisfying to the audience as these two characters that would give these two characters something. So yeah, up until this point, I've been seeing nothing but Sydney and Carmi being a really strong but kind of fractured partnership that that works because they can see each other for who they are, but it doesn't mean that they know everything about each other and they're still getting to know things about each other. And that is part of developing a relationship too, but it's it's not going to unfold in, I think, any classical sense of it's going to be in moments like this where, and it's still not romantic. It's simply has strong indications <laughs> that it could go romantic right now. They're just in a place of, we have a very, this is their baby. This is the child they're raising together, but they haven't actually, uh, they're in a, they're in a loving marriage and this child, this bear is their child. But it also is the thing that she has to wrestle with when it comes to Carmi, because it very much is him I'm not saying it great at all. <laughs> I feel like that's what I need to move on. Like words are not putting together very well. Only to say, I guess, to, to, to sum it up is you're not not seeing nothing happening. Like to say that it doesn't exist would be absolutely incorrect. I don't know what the argument was that you saw on the tweets. And I'm still going to call them tweets. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you tell me to call them notes. I'm not calling them fucking notes. I write notes. I don't fucking write notes on a computer or on a freaking social media. They're tweets. <laughs> just got to be weird with it. Oh, let's just call them. It's still called Twitter. Okay. Just, I don't pay attention to rich people and their dumbass ideas. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I want to call him Twitter, what are you going to do? Rest me? No. You're going to know what the fuck I'm talking about and move on. But as far as back to the relationship, whatever that debate was, if they're saying it, it can't happen or it's an impossibility or the show's not showing at all, even I didn't go that far. I was like, well, it's not the biggest hint. So I don't see it. I don't know if it's going to go any further. But yeah, after this episode, you definitely go for it further. And like I said, that last moment, I think of them just staring at each other and then that uncomfortableness, that to me was more of the cherry on top. Everything else could have been and easily slid into that other category of just an intimate relationship between two incredibly intimate people that are able to let down their guards when they're in each other's company and when they do work together cohesively, they do make a very strong team, friendship, partnership, all those things. But it is that it's love 
but not in love that last couple of seconds that's um it could evolve there over time and it needed to happen and let me say this claire needed to happen for that to even be there like i don't even think that he can even entertain an idea of what his feelings would be for sydney if he didn't have claire there and one someone worth losing and understanding that when when put into the same category of his own ambitions I know 773 was the area code of Chicago because I have called Chicago plenty of times. I work in this area, right? I'm insurance. So <laughs> I've been in all fucking 50 states. I mean, I know every single last area code, but I'm pretty good with Chicago. Even though I don't know what an Italian beef is, apparently. It's not a sausage. I think the actor that plays Carmi is from Chicago. I just get that indication. Those are his real tattoos. And girl, they could film multiple scenes in one day. So they may have got Jamie Lee Curtis for one day, but they was like, we're going to melt the shit out of these 24 hours. <laughs> they don't necessarily film in order. And I think that that it's possible because they put the one chicken a second scene. And I didn't think we would get a second scene of her. The the wife. That uh, she's a pretty popular actress. And the scene from Christmas was five years ago. So, I mean, it's possible anyone can change in five years. Then there is the thing called the death of my son, my eldest son, who I treated like shit, who was struggling and who I was never able to help. Those things can impact or can be the catalyst to reexamining one's life. So I would be curious. And I do think that eventually there's going to need to be a confrontation between these two characters, Carmi and his mother. But I do wonder if it would be in this season or if there's something to save for next season. People, like you pointed out, are striking in support. So even if one is not particularly attached to the strike, they, they might just not produce content just because they want to show that support. So yeah, I, I bet that most people are turning around. And it's very true. It's very true. I think everything you said about the whys and the money and just that and, and it's, they write a lot of stuff too it's not easy being a writer um <laughs> especially for a lot of people out there who never even make the attempt and they happen to be the true the the cruelest types of uh criticizers because it's yeah of course you don't have any empathy for something you cannot understand or would never be good at or have no true value of versus only on how you ingested on the entertainment side but you know it's (laughs) it's a little and then the way i mean i wish they would do just a whole overall granted i don't know every ins and out of the production process but i do think a lot of studios the way they even have the writer set up or you write this little bit you do this little bit everyone's all segmented off in the that's not good for a linear (laughs) storyline not even allowed to work in a team and and shoot ideas i mean not every writer's room is not like that but a lot of them are and yeah i i think it's a little sickening how greedy the industry is but after the oscars 
I was done with the whole Hollywood-ish side of the, like, I have no value in the production companies and so on and so forth. I think they're all full of shit. And they always try to do things unless you are someone who's going to bring in billions of dollars. They don't have the greatest bit of respect for you. I mean, they barely could put black and brown people in the movies. There's just so much, so much one could backlash at Hollywood for to the powers that be about their incompetence and lack of change and innovation within the 30 years that TV really has been evolutionized. Fuck uh, them doing the the, the, the tonal soprano. That was really cute. That was really cute. And that's all I got to say. I can't wait for the finale as well. I think I even popped up and gave this episode a 10 out of 10 instead of 9.8. Because I actually had no flaws with this episode. As most of the season has been. If you want to send feedback once again for the finale, that will be dropping on Sunday. Blackercouch at gmail.com. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic. Hustling, 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 hustling.